I was born and reared in County Leitrim in Ireland, the smallest county in the country with a population of about 25,000. Once the county town, Leitrim had the remains of a castle and some other ancient buildings, but it had lost its former importance and dwindled to a village. The landscape ranges from bushy brown hills to majestic mountains with yawning valleys and countless picturesque lakes. But for a two-mile coastal outlet on Donegal Bay, Leitrim is all but landlocked, bounded to the west by Sligo and Roscommon, to the south by Roscommon and Longford, to the east by Cavan and Fermanagh, and to the north by Donegal. When there, I feel it brings on a sudden feeling of claustrophobia and an overwhelming desire for solid ground. There's a saying about Leitrim, and that is that the best thing to come out of Leitrim is the road to Dublin. I finished school when I was 17, applied for the guards, and I eventually got myself on that road to Dublin. Since then, I have rarely travelled back. Once every two months, I used to visit my parents in the three-bedroom terraced house in a small cul-de-sac of twelve houses where I grew up. The usual intention was to stay for the weekend, but most of the time I only lasted a day, using an emergency at work as the excuse to grab my unpacked bag by the door and drive, drive, drive very fast on the best thing to come out of Leitrim. I didn't have a bad relationship with my parents. They were always so supportive, even ready to dive in front of bullets, into fires and off mountains if it meant my happiness. The truth is they made me uneasy. In their eyes, I could see who they saw and I didn't like it. I saw my reflection in their expressions more than in any mirror. Some people have the power to do that, to look at you, and their faces let you know exactly how you're behaving. I suppose it was because they loved me, but I couldn't spend too much time with people who loved me because of those eyes, because of that reflection. Ever since I was ten, they had tiptoed around me, watched me warily. They had pretend conversations and false laughs that echoed around the house. They would try to distract me, create an ease and normality in the atmosphere. But I knew they were doing it, and why, and it only made me aware that something was wrong. They were so supportive, they loved me so much, and each time the house was about to be turned upside down for yet another gruelling search, they never gave in without a pleasant fight. Milk and cookies at the kitchen table, the radio on in the background, and the washing machine going, all to break the uncomfortable silence that would inevitably ensue. Mum would give me that smile, that smile that didn't reach her eyes, the smile that made her back teeth clench and grind when she thought I wasn't looking. With forced easiness in her voice and that forced face of happiness, she would cock her head to one side try not to let me know she was studying me intently and say, Why do you want to search the house again, honey? She always called me honey, like she knew as much as I did that I was no more Sandy Short than Jenny May Butler an angel. No matter how much action and noise had been created in the kitchen to avoid the uncomfortable silence, it didn't seem to work. 
the silence drowned it all out. My answer? Because I can't find it, Mum. What pair are they? The easy smile, the pretend that this was a casual conversation, and not a desperate attempt at interrogation to find out how my mind worked. My blue ones with the white stripes, I answered on one typical occasion. I insisted on bright-coloured socks, bright and identifiable, so that they could be easily found. Well, maybe you didn't put both of them in the linen basket, honey. Maybe the one you're looking for is somewhere in your room. A smile, trying not to fit.